Hello, my friends, and welcome to PM School, an educational platform for women entrepreneurs aspiring to start, scale, and exit epic businesses. I'm your host, Steph Caldwell, businesswoman by day, personal development author, founder, and investor by PM. Come with me each episode as we go behind the scenes with epic entrepreneurs and with the epic experts who support them along their way. So grab your glass of wine, grab your biz bestie, because it is about to get real. Are you ready? Pull up your seat because class is in session. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of PM School Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to my next guests, Jewel Zimmer and Taylor Lamb, two moms, two epic businesswomen, and two co-founders behind Juna World. Juna's mission is to design the most effective plant-powered formulas out there for the modern woman. Their powerful, active botanical blends help women like me show up every day as the best version of themselves. They started Juna because women everywhere are more sleep-deprived, stressed, overworked, and anxiety-ridden than ever before. And as female founders and mothers, they experience this firsthand. Out of true necessity, they created Juna because ultimately they were looking for relief but didn't want to turn to prescriptions and pharmaceuticals. So Juna offers plant-powered solutions with more than 40 active botanicals to optimize your mind, body, mood, and sleep. I had so much fun on this episode learning how they went from marketing maven to co-founder and from pastry chef to co-founder, how they met, how they capitalized the business, and how they're bringing it forth to people like you and me. As a reminder, I don't do ads or anything like that on this podcast. So if you get value out of the conversation with Jewel, with Taylor, share this episode with a friend, pass it to them on social media, shoot them a text message and say, you've got to check this out. It's all about moving the mission forward of helping more women entrepreneurs. So without any further ado, here's my episode with Taylor and Jewel. Taylor, Jewel, I am I, like sort of fangirling a little bit right now to be talking with you, you both. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. So where we start on this show, every single episode is actually taking things way, way back to when you guys were kiddos. So Taylor, maybe starting with you as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man, it's so funny because... So Jewel and I are both mothers and Jewel's youngest daughter, Indy, is eight years old. And I I constantly hear Jewel telling me all the stories about her daughter. And it's exactly how I was as a little girl. I was always very creative. I loved painting, drawing, making things, arts and crafts. I mean, there was there was nothing that I wouldn't get into. I remember my parents left me at home for, you know, the first time without a babysitter. And I tried melting crayons for an art project and a neon green one exploded all over the ceiling. And they still have to this day, like little speckles of neon green on their ceiling. So I I would say that, you know, I aspire to be a designer, an artist, or it's hard to remember exactly, but definitely something in the creative space. 
I love that. And the story, the first time you were left alone, that was what you, you were up to. It's, it's pretty hilarious. They didn't leave me alone. <laughs> they learned their lesson, I'm sure. <laughs> That's a great question. As a kid, I was always very, very athletic and health conscious. So I'm sure that that I was thinking about that to some degree. My my parents were entrepreneurs. My dad was a baker slash self-taught architect. So I always saw him sketching and drawing and he was very into European fashion and watches and race cars. And so I always envisioned myself being some some type of a designer and really living in this this luxury world. Well, that sounds amazing. I still envision that for my future. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, I wish I had these design abilities. That would be fantastic. So did either of you have any entrepreneurial ventures as kids yourselves, like a lemonade stand or selling any of your creative designs that you were designing? Yeah, I think we both did. And what's interesting that I'm now connecting the dots is our parents are both entrepreneurs. So my my dad had a nursery and we were also farmers so we grew dates and citrus and had a had a nursery and i remember growing up i would always help my mom there and i would sell christmas trees during my school breaks so many little side hustles along the way always i started working when i was i don't know 10 child labor probably, but throughout call it high school and college, I always had a, had a job and I launched when I, I was in college, I launched my own sort of graphic design company and I designed all the flyers and for all the local like bars and clubs. And then I also designed all the sorority t-shirts and handbags and everything like that. So that was probably like my first business. That was a little more legit than all the little side hustles growing up. What about you, Jewel? That's so cool. I didn't have none about you. I did launch my first business when I was 17 or 18. So my my parents were both in the food world. My mom had a gourmet food shop and my dad had a bakery. And he was sort of a he he was sort of a self-taught baker. He him and my mom traveled Europe in the 70s when they were young. And my dad fell in love with this pastry shop in Marseille in the south of France and brought back somebody from Marseille to teach him how to make these amazing pastries and this amazing artisan bread. This is like back in the 70s in a tiny little town in British Columbia. And so I was, I always grew up with food, but it wasn't just a bakery with simple things. It was a bakery where it was like very fancy French pastries and artisan bread. And so growing up in, in a hall where everybody was so into food, I started baking at a very young age. And so when I needed money, it made the most sense to bust out some cookies. So I actually had a biscotti business called Luna Biscotti. And it's so funny because I'm just putting this together like as we speak right now, which makes kind of makes sense to where I am today. But normally, if you started a cookie business and made biscotti, you would probably try to sell to coffee shops or at farmer's market farmer's market, I sold to ashrams. 
Again? What is ashram? They're like they're like spiritual yoga institute. But it's it's so interesting because I didn't realize that I had this interest back then, like this spiritual interest so far back then that was like I somehow connected food to. So that's that's an interesting out loud realization. <laughs> I I love both of your journeys and the fact that your parents are entrepreneurs. My my parents are also entrepreneurs, and I think it's it's something to be said about how seeing them grow their businesses while moving through the world can kind of just be expand. They they're expanders to us, and and looking yeah. at our ability to bring ideas to life. Yeah, maybe it's genetic. Yeah, I was just going to state that it the it totally are expanders because at least in my experience, like because my parents were entrepreneurs, we could do anything we want. Like I remember my parents when I was 11, my parents sold our house and they let somebody else run the businesses. And like we went and lived in Portugal for a year and like that was totally doable. It was kind of like if you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business, you can to do anything that you want. And then I think also in the process of just being able to have that freedom, especially with travel and being able to see at such a young age, just how expanding that was in its own right, like for for my parents as entrepreneurs and how much growth that there was for them in their work because of that freedom and because of that travel and that opportunity to, to grow in so many other ways. So we've got a former pastry chef and a marketing maven. You guys have come together to to create a product, which we're going to talk a ton about on this episode. But how did the two of you meet? How did how did your relationship form? Yeah, it's so funny. We we always say the universe sort of brought us together, and it. I'm not a woo woo person. Jules, I am. Or that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was. So I've been in the the marketing branding space for over a decade and have helped launch multiple brands in the the premium fashion space. And Jewel was launching Juna and had connected with multiple people around how she was looking for someone to help with marketing. And at the same time in her head, I'm talking about what was in your head. I love that. I, you should probably be the one talking about those in your own head. She was also really looking for a co-founder. And my like my web developer that I worked with on multiple projects, he's like, you should meet this woman, Jewel. And I was like, okay. And then my ads guy said, you should meet this woman, Jewel. And it it was like very, I think two or three connections later, I was like, man, people really want us to meet. And she was up in San Francisco. I was down in Orange County and we connected and just really hit it off. We have such diverse, different backgrounds, but and skill sets that have become so complementary. And I don't know if we realized it even at the time, but we see it so clearly now. So that's sort of how we connected and just had this very shared vision and goal for what the world could be and being mothers and working mothers and entrepreneurs and with her coming from her the stressful food industry and me coming from the stressful startup industry I think we just 
really connected on the fact that like the world is stressed out. Women are stressed out. There's schedule overload right now. And we didn't want to turn to quick fix pharmaceuticals. Like we really believe in the power of plants, especially where I grew up with my family being farmers and, and plant people like it. And so we really connected on that level around maybe we can create something better and and the future of wellness should be around plants. It was kind of the, the past of wellness and we got away from it. So let's bring that back to help women like us feel better. Say that like everything that you've just described is what resonates with me about the Juna brand and the Juna promise and the Juna product. It it really is it's like very, very natural, very feminine, and everything about it just for me like gives this sense of ease and the sense of like like taking a load off but doing it in a way that's like productive and natural as opposed to like getting to the end of actually you guys should know this so I'm I'm the child of winemakers <laughs> so to me the end of a long day is like oh you have a glass of wine you kind of like zen out and then go to sleep and I I felt like my wine routine so to speak was just really being very disruptive to my sleep and started investigating like what are some alternatives to having a glass of wine that will give me like the same benefits and effects but like none of the the things that I don't like about the wine experience and at that point I think I got an Instagram ad for Juna and and found that, of course, it was like women founders. And I was like, this is so epic. I have to try this product. And that's what's really resonated with me about it. It's like I take just two like little drips <laughs> of Juna and I'm like, ah, oh. like I can relax into life and, and not kind of feel the stress of work. So anyway, I'm, I'm done fangirling. Jewel, it sounds like you had kind of been bringing Juna to life on your own prior to meeting Taylor. Share a little bit about how one goes from being a pastry chef to, to deciding that they're going to create uh, this, this incredible wellness platform. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty seamless. Actually, I had a chocolate company at the time that I, that I started thinking about Juna and it was a really natural progression. My chocolate company, I was working with a chemist in France who was extracting all of the naturally occurring polyphenol antioxidants and mood enhancers from the, from the cacao bean, such as, and we were reinfusing those back into really beautiful single origin chocolate. And the idea, I launched this company back in 2009, and the idea was to help people understand that food is medicine, that there's very powerful actives in certain foods that can really change your mood and contribute to how you go about your every day. And I launched this collection at Barney's New York, (laughs) rest in peace, nationally back in 2009. And the buyer at the time who, you know, was the buyer up until the day Barney's closed, Tony Greenberg, she said, this is the future of beauty. It's a nutraceutical. It's a food that we ingest. And of course, this is like pre- moon juice and sun potion, these adaptogenic brands centered around food didn't come for a few more years. So I was really thinking, I was really pioneering this path of food as medicine. 
And as I was doing that, of course, I was I was a young mother. I was always talking to the moms at the playground. And one of my daughter's friend's parents reached out to me one day and he said, I have a friend who's a neuroscientist and he is working with a compound called CBD. And he's wondering if maybe you can make some chocolates for him. And I had never heard of CBD before. So I was really curious as to what it was. And of course, this is this is back in, I don't even know, 2012, 13, something like that. So I started to do some research, understood what CBD was, tried it for myself and realized that it really had the power to transform the lives of women. Yeah, the way that I was feeling, the lives of, I thought I could save every mother and possibly marriage. I mean, the way that I felt after I tried CBD for the first time, that just relief of anxiousness. And not having to feel like I had to respond to everything the way that I had been was really magical. But you see, at that time, no one knew what CBD was. So I just continued with, with my chocolate company, really. But then there was this point much later after Charlotte's Web launched and some larger CBD companies like that, that I started to think, I think the world might, might be getting ready to try something like, like this. And so I started making beta samples of CBD chocolates and tinctures and was really on the path to launch this product. But what I needed was I needed somebody to help me bring it to life, truly, truly to life, help me get that messaging clear and help us target the right consumer. Because when you're, when you're working with a new ingredient like CBD, you have to you have to really understand where the consumer is at and how how to reach her. And Taylor was that person. The second that literally like the second we connected, I think I knew that she was the person. She just she got it instantly and she could see the vision instantly and not only could could see my vision, but could build out on my vision to things that I hadn't even thought about, which was really exciting. And so here we are. And now we're able to, you know, formulate and create products to help women solve for the stressors of modern living, not just with CBD, but through several other transformational ingredients. At this point, we're working with over 40 active botanicals. That's, that's a pretty incredible story and like and journey into CBD. One of the things that is coming up for me right now as you're as you're sharing that is like I think the company was founded, if I'm not wrong, in around 2018. And there's still a lot of like regulation and just other like policy changes in the CBD and obviously cannabis space. But like in 2018, how did how did that kind of impact how you were thinking about the business or, or has it not, you know, had any, any relevancy as, as you brought this to, to life and brought it forward? I think it's still evolving. And I feel like we've had so many pivots and growth opportunities and, and learning the long way that it, what a new business is all about. It's about being able to be adaptable and flexible and kind of shift as things need to shift. So not only have there been maybe some roadblocks, regulations and whatnot, but they 
ended up helping us because they push us out of our comfort zone to think bigger and broader and problem solve in ways that we maybe wouldn't have if it was just so seamless and easy. And so we take each one of those as a learning opportunity and grow from it. And we're, we can be happier with where it's pushed us. Yeah, as a business. Another question that's coming up for me, and so, Jewel, you you had already been working on this business. You were excited about it. You were kind of exploring the CBD space. Taylor, you have some some close colleagues. It sounds like You're like you should you should meet this girl. So when when you guys sat down for your first conversation, things things clicked. But you know, having a conversation where you're like, wow, this person's awesome, and then deciding to you know build a business with that person is obviously like very different. What were the conversations about, like, how you guys would would become a team? What were those conversations like? Like, how did you guys land on on co-founder and and kind of ensure that the relationship was set up for long-term success? I think that, I mean, for me, it was just trust. There was just a feeling. I mean, honestly, it wasn't, I tend to be an overthinker and an analyzer. And I didn't do that with Taylor at all. Like it was, it was just so natural and it was just, it was a feeling, it was a flow. And I just, I just went with it. We just went with it. Yeah. And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, I think, I think when I hire people, like when I think about some other people that we've had to hire for the team, the process has been a lot more diligent. Yeah. I mean, we ended up becoming co-founders and business partners before we had ever even met in person. Yeah, which was wild. It's wild to think about for a while. We got to COVID and I had a, a baby and all the things. And for me too, it was an opera. Like I had spent, I have spent so many years of my life building and growing companies for other people. And and seeing the success that I've been able to achieve with these brands it has been amazing. And I always treated them like they were my own company. In reality, they weren't. And an opportunity to really build and grow something of our own, which was really enticing. And that is so, so exciting for the two of you. Yeah. Tell me, so building a, a CBG business, building it in the CBD space, I imagine can be um, a bit of a capital intensive endeavor. So from from the start, Jewel, did you have a, a plan for how you financed the endeavor and, and did you stick to that plan or how, how did the financing work behind that? Yeah, we raised a seed round right before we launched. So we actually launched in the fall of 2019 and we raised a seed round right around the time that we launched. and. We also did a round of crowd of a crowd fundraise with Republic about six months after we launched to keep the business, you know, going at a healthy at a healthy pace. And about two weeks ago, we just launched our first institutional raise. When when you talk about the the seed round, was it you know primarily looking to friends and family to to support and and maybe if you're willing, share a little bit on on that journey. Yeah, it was friends and family. And it was a lot of introductions from friends and family to other people who were interested in supporting the wellness business and who 
we're interested in supporting female founders and new ingredients and plants and botanicals. And one conversation led to another. Taylor and I took a lot of calls in the early days met with a lot of people and it was really inspiring. We got a chance to talk with several angel investors who were interested in the CBD space, who were interested in the cannabis space, who were interested in specifically female founders, who were some of who were founders themselves looking to leverage other female founders. So it was a very inspiring, very, very inspiring time. And we learned a lot from it. We dialed down our pitch pretty, (laughs) pretty quickly. I mean, the amount of iterations we've done on our pitch deck are tireless, probably in the thousands. (laughs) Yeah. And I would say when you're doing pre-seed, it's it's so exhilarating because there's there's maybe there's a blit we have proof of concept right but we weren't in market yet so a lot of who's investing at that time in the business it's a gut feeling it's on the founders it's what can these founders do you know what it's the trust in was the trust in what these investors thought that Taylor and I could bring to the table and how we were going to activate out in the world. So it was a very, very exciting time. I mean, all the stages of the business are exciting. They're all very different. It's like being mothers, like the baby stage is amazing. The toddler stage is amazing. As the business grows, we evolve and it's every stage of it has been incredibly exciting and inspiring. I'm always inspired by the people that we work with, the people who hit our our inbox every day. Our customers are so inspiring because they're giving us feedback every day on how our products are working for them. And it inspires us to to talk and create more products and be able to help more people. I'm I'm grateful every single day that I walk into the office and I open my laptop that I I get to have the opportunity like with one of my most favorite people in the world, my co-founder, to be able to really change lives. Really like <laughs> that's a, I can only imagine such an exciting way to live life, live day to day and to and space to create from. So going back to the initial raise, obviously you guys, you had an idea for what Juna could be and proof of concept, but with the initial round of fundraising that you did, what was the goal? Was it to have enough products to like have your first, first big launch? Was it to have enough products to enter retail? Talk a little bit about the, the goal of each round of fundraising that, that first round the crowdfund and and now where you guys are today. We launched with our our signature balance drops. And at the time it was when it was a one one product that had CBD in it. CBD was very, it was a very new industry. It was a new ingredient to everyone. And our goal was to get that product into as many people's hands as possible and to as much press as possible within The first six months, I think we had over six press hits. We were named like best product in the Wall Street Journal and Birdie and Mind Body Green. And we had several influencers posting about our product on Instagram. And we were also like one of the OG. It was like us and the Lord Jones and... 
I can't even think of who else. There was like Charlotte's Web, of course. But in terms of like an indie brand that wasn't focused specifically on medical, like Charlotte's brand was, we were one of the few. And so that like the goal was to get it out into the world and to try to understand how people were using it, what they were using it for, were they using it for anxiety? Were they using it instead of a glass of a wine at, wine at night? Were they using it for a headache, for PMS? You really get an idea of like where and when people were using it. And then from the, once we, we had a good idea of how it was being used into the world, that's when we went into our Republic raise and we had launched a few more products before we went into Republic. Oh, we did. Because yeah. we launched. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we, yeah. That's launched, right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, Jewel and I are small and scrappy. We always have been. We launched with the one product and have been extremely conservative with the funds that we did raise initially. And... What we we really tried to do was launch these collections to solve women's top problems. We started with straps. We knew sleep was something that we needed to tackle, anxiety, PMS, pain, and and now gut health. And I should clarify too, we, we don't consider ourselves a CBD brand. We really consider ourselves a women's wellness brand because as Joel mentioned, we work with over 40, probably closer to 50 active botanicals. And CBD or the hemp plant is definitely one of those active botanicals, but we, we work with so many and create these formulas that are targeted to be the strongest solution or the best solution for that specific problem. But it led us then to, we had grown the business, we had proof of concept, we had a very clear brand, brand voice, demographic. We knew who we were better at that point, and we were ready to raise some more money to take the business to the next level. And we were introduced to Republic or these crowdfunding platforms. There were a few that we looked at in the beginning and, and ended up moving forward with Republic. And it was just a really creative opportunity for us to not only get our brand out there, to potential investors, but also to create a community of investors within our own brand. So what was so great about the crowdfunding was we turned to our loyal customers and we have such amazing loyal customers. I mean, we have close to a 50% repeat purchase rate and like the women that support Juna are just diehard Juna fans and we, we couldn't be more thankful to have them. And you, we love hearing your fangirl stories. And so that's where we turned first. We're, we're these women who were already feeling the, the effects and the power of what Juna can do for them. And we got them involved. And we turned to friends and family and customers to, to invest through this crowdfunding campaign. And then Republic, in turn, put it out to their network of investors. And so after a couple months of having it live, we had... Almost what two hundred investors? Yeah, I can't even remember. And and everyone contributed what they could, and and so there were it ranged from very small investments to some larger ones, and it was really this collective of people who believed in us. And so it's 
it's a really cool way to raise money and also get people even more, I guess, behind the brand. And we have a lot of people with skin in the game now who want to see it succeed. So yeah, that's what kind of led us to go with the crowdfunding outlet. And then once we raised that money, we built the brand similar. We launched we launched Nightcap, which is our, our best-selling sleep collection. Jewel actually ended up moving down from San Francisco down to Orange County. We have an office here in Dana Point now. This year, we just launched our new detox collection. And so now we've been able to test these different, tackle these different problems that women are facing. And, and we've collected a lot of data and we see where there's more need. And this year, we have a really strong roadmap to help expand our sleep category and our detox category. And we're going into another investment round. It's funny how these businesses cost money to run, right, Joel? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of money that goes in. I mean, you, you went, like, we're expanding the, the collections and it's just, yeah, it's a big investment on every front with packaging with formulations with testing with iterations with with every single every single aspect of it so yeah we're we're raising to to help fuel the growth and expand juno's footprint that's so exciting and like i mean yeah again i i'm just obsessed with your product so it makes complete sense to me that you'd want to take on capital to be able to you know, expand smartly and quickly to get the product in the hands of more women who definitely, definitely need it. Maybe kind of not switching gears a little bit, but looking at the other side of, of the business equation. So there's all of this exciting stuff that's happening, even in like the first six months of the business, going back to that, where you have this goal of let's get the product in as many hands as possible. Let's get as much press as possible. That press leads to growth, which leads to feedback, which leads to more clarity around the brand and the vision and what you guys bring to the table, what the customer really desires. What were some of the challenges? Or maybe if you could go back to the early stages of the business and, and just share, like, what were some of the challenges you guys were really struggling with, with back then, despite all of the leading indicators of success that you were having? Oh, my God. You're going to begin. Every day is a new challenge. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's a lot of challenges we face that are probably pretty boring that we don't need to dive into, like around credit card processing. I think I, I we get the question a lot around being female entrepreneurs. How has it been harder for you? And I always respond with, I always look at being a female and a woman as a great gift. And there's more that we get from it than the challenges that we face because of it. But it, it also ha has some challenges when it comes to investing and raising money. And I think one thing we found too is how helpful it is to have be well-connected in the space. And so one of the challenges with Jewel's pastry background and my marketing background, the what we didn't have were direct ties to investors and to wholesale opportunities. And so everything, it's it's hard work. There's, there's no like, oh, my dad's the 
you know, CEO of Whole Foods and there's that e- 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 <laughs> yeah. easy in there or which we find the longer we've been in this industry that a lot of the brands we look up to are like, oh my gosh, how did they get in that? There's a lot of good connections some of these brands have had from day one. And so I'd say that's a, a challenge, but, you know, this means we have to work twice as hard. Yeah, I... I second that. There's so many, so many brands that are built because they were working in a place like Sephora, building brands within Sephora or within Target or or something like that and seeing this niche need, right? And then being able to come out and and do it. So I'd say that's one thing. I'd say personally, a challenge for me is knowing the future of Juna (laughs) and seeing it on my desk and on Dana Miller's laptop screen and not being able to share that just yet. Everything comes in time. There's a process and a specific roadmap for the entire vision, but sometimes I wish we could speed it up a little and I could just share with everyone where Juna is going to be in two years and in five years, right? I think that's a big one for me. But we do, like Taylor said, we really, yes, there's challenges, I think, for any entrepreneur, but the rewards far outweigh any challenge. Definitely. I think you guys have such a uh, a positive way of framing challenges, and I, I really respect that and am very much that that way myself. One of the things, you know, I, I know about having a, a co-founder from previous business is like how you communicate during the challenging times really can can make or break the, the future of, of the business. Is there a communication, you know, tactic or strategy that the two of you have to, to make it through those challenging times together? Well, thankfully, a lot of our products do have CBD in it. So, yeah, things are pretty, <laughs> pretty chill around here. I, I think, think I can speak for Taylor too when I say this, but she's right here. So she will grab me if I'm wrong. But we've both really started to just lean into alignment. If something doesn't feel right, I think that sometimes that can be conflicting in business because you do have certain goals and certain milestones and you want certain things, but not, and so many opportunities come, you know, our way as entrepreneurs and I'm sure to to every entrepreneur. And we're really just trying to lean into alignment as much as possible to spare some of those challenges and and conflicts that could possibly arise. Yeah. And I guess, we always try to like when those things happen or when one door closes, instead of letting it bring us down and harping too much on it, we just problem solve and we move on. Okay. What's the next? What's next? Yeah. Close that door. Next. That's fine. What's next? And it's always something even more exciting. Yeah. So yeah. Got to rule with the punches. I like the idea of close that door and, and just move on to what's next. I think I, I know that I personally spend a lot of time uh, ruminating. We're like, oh, and I've made that decision versus just moving forward. So I think I needed to hear that today. I probably would would not have had that same mentality 20 years ago. Definitely not. I think it comes with experience of knowing 
and experiencing what is on the other side of challenge and and feeling that reward. It's kind of like childbirth, you know, it's like you're going through it and it's a lot. And then when you get on the other side and you're able to experience the reward and see that come to a in to a fruition in so many different ways, it it just comes back to that that trusting in what you're doing and where the alignment is. What challenges does the universe seem to be putting in front of you both right now? Oh, we just said we don't like harping on challenges. Let's keep things positive around here. Let's talk about opportunities over the challenges. We like to... What opportunities are in (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I'm, I'm most excited. This year, I'm just so excited and revved up about what we have going on. Like, there's so much in the works. That, like Jewel said, I mean, her and I both wish we could just like hit fast forward and and have these things now. But we have a really, really amazing roadmap of products. And this year, since launch, we've been really dedicated towards our our D to C channel, and it's it's always going to be a primary focus for Juna. But we are in talks with some amazing wholesale opportunities, some retail partners that could really help bring Juna to the next level and to a lot more women. So I think that's something this year that we're really excited about is just to like lock in some of these big retail partners to expand our reach and and help more women. And and it's, it's one challenge is you have to spend money to make money and the digital advertising space is is quite expensive and so to pay to get the brand out there in front of more people it's really hard for a small business and so if there's opportunities where we can do it through these larger retail partnerships it could really shift uh the trajectory of juna so that's something that we're both very excited about yeah well i'm excited for you guys i know (laughs) In my role day to day, I cannot believe how much capital it takes to do digital marketing. It's, it actually is insane to me most days. And obviously, like with a great product, you, you probably have a ton of organic and word of mouth, but there's nothing like product on shelf available to the consumer when she sees it and grabs for it than, than anything else to, to help expand the brand and help you guys catch, catch more lives. Totally. And there's, there's a lot of great brands out there. There's a lot of competition. And so it's, I think another thing is there's a lot of pressure for for new brands and small brands to have this super quick explosive growth where it didn't used to be the case when our parents were starting their businesses. It used to be slow and steady won the race and that slow organic growth is not what investors are looking for now. Everyone's expecting these brands to have 200, 300 plus year over year increases and be making over a million, two million their first year of business. And in order to do those things, the brands have to raise a lot. They have to spend a lot. And it's a very competitive space. So yeah, I think it's just a different playing field. And we'll probably condemn. I would say, 
to Taylor's point, like the digital ad space is so, so competitive, especially since COVID, right? Because so much of traditional retail shut down and so many more people launched businesses from home. And so it just is a very expansive playing field right now. And, and it's also fantastic. Like I learn about so many brands because of ad on Instagram or that follow me around the internet. And I, I actually really appreciate it because otherwise I wouldn't know that they exist. But as, as a founder, I also don't paying the bill to show up every and remind you that they exist. Well, I, I completely agree. I think my Instagram has curated a lot of like epic female founder CPG brands for me. And, and I already mentioned that that's how I found you guys. So I am grateful for you spending money to hang out in my household with me. In terms of, you know, the, your, your dream girl, your dream girl is the, is the girl that's listening to PM School podcast. She's ambitious. She's resourceful. She's growing her career. She's juggling all the balls. And she's probably a little stressed out at the end of the day. How can she uh, learn more about Juna and your wellness platform? How can she support you guys and get her hands on your fantastic products? Well, we have a beautiful website, junaworld.com. We have all the products there. We also have a ton of great resources and recipes. Jewel and I are totally nerds when it comes to geeking out on all the science behind every single ingredient we use. And we try to share as much of that science as possible with our our followers. And so definitely check out our blog and all the amazing articles we have there. We have a recipe section with fun, you know, mocktails and cocktails. We have our Instagram where we, it's at juna.world, our TikTok. So we're, we're everywhere. It depends where you'd like to find us. We have an email newsletter that goes out twice a week where we share a lot of the education and science behind these plant-powered ingredients and their efficacy. We love sharing the research. I think we had one go out yesterday around how 95% of our serotonin actually is created in our gut. And we just found that so fascinating. We had to share it with our our followers too and or how important gut health is so yeah all of the above well thank you both again so much for spending your time this way thank you for giving us kind of the ins and outs of the early days of juna your relationship how you guys capitalize this business i know that somebody is going to walk away from this and feel that because of your story they can do it too and so i i just really appreciate the two of you and, and thank you again Oh, likewise. Yeah. And if any anyone ever has any questions, Jewel and I both are so tied to our Instagram. So DM us your questions or anything, your ideas. We love to hear from all, all our followers and the women out there who are trying to launch their own brands. So don't hesitate to connect. Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this podcast, and I truly hope you did, make sure you're subscribed so you'll be the first to know every time we drop new episodes. And if you haven't already, head over to pmschoolpod.com and subscribe to our newsletter so we can keep you in the loop as we release new PM School resources 
invites to events, and trips abroad. If you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a review because it really makes an impact on our ability to book epic guests and keep this mission in motion. Last, but certainly not least, if you feel so moved, take a picture of yourself wherever you're listening and tell us what your biggest takeaways are by tagging us on Instagram at PM School Podcast. All right, until next time, go be epic. We see you, we support you. Cheers.